Thank you for downloading this message from our Father's house. This morning, I want to talk about the subject of the foundations of revival, and we're going to continue with the flow of the Holy Spirit. We're going to, uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles, Ezra chapter 3, we're going to read the entire chapter. We're going to talk about Ezra and Nehemiah this morning. And um, a lot of people believe that the Holy Spirit um, didn't come on the scene, so to speak, until the New Testament on the day of Pentecost. But all throughout the Old Testament, you see the work of the Holy Spirit manifesting. The only way, in fact, even the very beginning, the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the waters. Samson was only able to shake himself free from the Philistines by the Spirit of the Lord moving upon Samson. The only way that signs, wonders, and miracles could follow Elijah and Elisha was by the power of the Holy Spirit. The only way people could prophesy, as a matter of fact, Peter said this, He said they prophesied in the old time as they were moved on, prophets of old, by the power of the Holy Ghost. So the Holy Spirit was at work in the Old Testament. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is this. You had a baptism of the Holy Spirit so we could call God Father. So that we could be sons and daughters of Almighty God. So we can become carriers of His presence everywhere we go. See, in the Old Testament, they were looking for movements and seasons of revival. But in the New Testament, they became the temple of God. They became revival. Amen. They became revival. If we go throughout church and throughout ministry, and we're seeking just for simply the next great move of God, just a movement that's temporary... We are looking at, at, as though Jesus never came. We're looking in the scope as of the Holy Ghost of an Old Testament version. But I believe that Jesus came, that He died, and that He resurrected so that we could become sons and daughters of God, so that we can become the temple of the Holy Spirit, so that we can carry His presence in our businesses, our schools, our homes. Amen. I believe revival is not confined in the four walls of a building. And I'm thankful for the church being built over here. Can't wait to worship over there. But if it's all about a building, we miss the mark. we got to become the building. we got to become the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I want to read in Ezra chapter 3, starting at verse 1. And when you find that if you are able to and willing, would you stand today in the honor of the reading of the Word of God? Ezra chapter number 3. I want to read the whole chapter. We're going to talk about the foundations of revival. Y'all be praying for your youth pastor and associate pastor. Praise the Lord. I believe God's giving me a word to deliver today. I'm excited about it. Right by His presence this morning. Ezra chapter 3. This is what the word says. It says, And when the seventh month was come, the children of Israel were in the cities. People gathered themselves together as one man in Jerusalem. There's so much meat in this chapter. Then stood up to Jeshua or Joshua, the son of Josadak, and his brethren, the priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his brethren, and built the altar of God of Israel to burn offerings thereon, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. And they set the altar upon his basis. For fear was upon them because of the people of those countries, and they offered burnt offerings thereon to the Lord, even burnt offerings morning and evening. There was always a fire burning. 
They kept the Feast of Tabernacles. It is written and offered the daily burnt offerings by number. Now, the Feast of Tabernacles was a time in the month of, I believe, it's September or October, where, depending on how the year falls, where they would take seven days and they would leave their home and stay in a tent to commemorate their time in the wilderness and that God's brought them into the promise. And afterward, verse 5, and afterward... Offer the continual burnt offering, both of the new moons and of all the set feasts of the Lord that were consecrated, and everyone that willingly offered a free will offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings to the Lord. Now listen, but the foundation of the temple was not yet laid. The foundation of the temple was not laid. And they gave money to the masons and the carpenters and meat and drink and oil unto them to Zidon to them of Tyre, to bring cedar trees from Lebanon to the Sea of Joppa, according to the grant that they had of Cyrus, king of Persia. You had a foreign king that funded the building of the temple. Now in the second year of their coming to the house of God at Jerusalem, in the second month began Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josadak, and the remnant of their brethren, the priests and the Levites, and all they were come out of captivity unto Jerusalem. And appointed the Levites from 20 years old and upward to set forth the work of the house of the Lord. Then stood Jeshua with his sons and his brethren, Camille and his sons, the sons of Judah, together to set forth the workmen in the house of God, the sons of Hinnadad and their sons, their brethren, the Levites. And when the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, they set priests in their apparel with trumpets. And the Levites, the sons of Asaph, with symbols to praise the Lord after the ordinances of David, king of Israel. And they sang together by course in praising and giving thanks to the Lord because he is good. Can somebody say he's good this morning? For his mercy endures forever toward Israel. And all the people shouted with a great shout. And when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house was laid. But many of the priests and Levites and chief of the fathers, who were ancient men that had seen the first house, when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, wept with a loud voice, and many shouted aloud for joy. Last verse. So that the people could not discern the noise of shout of joy from the noise of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the noise was heard from afar off. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, humbly, grateful, for the opportunity to preach behind this sacred desk, God. I pray, Lord, that you'd anoint the ears of your people to hear. Those that are listening and watching live right now, I pray that your anointing would come through the sound waves from this pulpit, and people would be touched and changed forevermore. Let there be a sound of awakening and revival that comes, oh Jesus, that comes from this place today. Let all of us receive something from this word today. Father, we just thank you, God, for every life and every soul being challenged and changed by the word today. We thank you and we give you praise and glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody says, Amen. 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 You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk about this subject of the foundations of revival. Uh, we, we talk about revival a lot, and, and my goal is this. I don't want revival and awakening and these 
terms to become a byword for the church where it's just, oh, they're talking about revival again. I believe that there's some foundations we need to lay as we move forward in the purpose and plan of God for us as a people, for us as a nation, for us as a church and a region. We need to understand what revival really looks like and what it's really all about. Um, Before you ever can have revival, first of all, you've got to pray. You can't have any move of God or you can't be changed and you can't grow and you can't become a carrier of His presence without prayer. You've got, you got to have prayer. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. we all know it. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, he said, then will I hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. I believe it's got to be Uh, based upon prayer. Our focus has got to be on souls being saved and lives being changed. we got to get our mind out of the religious box that revivals just a few good services. And we're going to enter this week. we got three scheduled services. I believe it's going to be a mighty move of God. But if all we're living for is three days of services, we're really missing the mark. What I want to see happen is a flame be ignited so greatly in our young people that when I that I'll start getting word over the next couple of weeks that we broke out in prayer in our cafeteria, we broke out in prayer on our baseball field, we broke out in prayer. Come on, somebody. That there's a move of God that's spontaneous and out of control. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit is at work. Amen. But I want to talk about ten elements of revival, ten things, and I'm just going to go through it, and then we're going to, and then we're going to close this thing out. But there's ten things that autom- automatically you know and recognize that you are in a revival move of the Spirit of God. Are you ready? Number one, revival is when leaders are stirred by the Spirit of God and return to Him. When you open the first, because Ezra was all about revival. During this time, you had Ezra, who, who was a priest and a teacher, a scribe. His heart was to teach the instruction of the law. You had Nehemiah, who built the wall to fortify the city of Jerusalem. You had the prophets Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi pushing the people, don't quit, don't stop, we got to finish this job, and begin to prophesy the truth. You had Joshua, who was a high priest, who stood in the gap for the generation and who interceded. You had Zerubbabel who was leading the children of Israel to building and constructing the temple of the Lord. Everybody had something to do for the kingdom of God. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But, but when you first open to Ezra chapter 1, the first thing that you will catch a glimpse of was that it was a king. It was a foreign king. It was Cyrus the Great in 538 B.C. This released the people of Israel and said, go build a temple. They had been in Babylonian captivity for many years. As a matter of fact, if you read statistics, say 90% of the Judean people died in Babylonian captivity. 90%. But there was a remnant pastor that, there, that no doubt was having an appeal to heaven and was seeking God, standing in the gap, praying and seeking God. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord gripped King Cyrus's heart, a Persian king, and said, I'm going to release you, and I'm going to send you to build a temple. As a matter of fact, it was the Persian kingdom that funded the building of a temple. Hallelujah. You know we're in revival when our government turns its face to Jesus Christ. we got to get to a place where we are praying for our government and its leaders. We do a lot of criticizing, but not enough praying. We do a lot of condemning, but not enough interceding. Our hope is not in a Republican or a Democratic candidate. Our hope is in Jesus. 
But I believe that we can pray as this year goes on and God can raise up a man of God to lead this nation. How many believe that? Anybody at all? Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just by myself. Listen, we are not, the church is still here. I said the church is still here. If we're not making our impact and our imprint on our government, we are living as though God is dead. But my God is not dead. He is alive and well. And I believe we can pray and this nation can return to God. There's hope in America or God is dead. Well, amen. There's either hope for America or God is dead. And I choose to believe there's hope for America. Because when Jesus died and he resurrected, he spoiled every principality, every power, and every work of darkness. Which tells me, Dwayne, as believers of God, we have the authority to tear down principalities and strongholds. When we turn our face, we have too many preachers prophesying doom, gloom, and despair on America and not standing in the gap and interceding. Amen. Well, hallelujah. You see, all through the Old New Testament, you see judgment of God. You see revelation. We know tribulation's coming. I've heard Christians come into the shop and say, well, I believe we're in the tribulation period. People are drawing a check and sitting at home. We, aren't, we ain't in no tribulation period. I don't even have to say anything other than that. People aren't working and they're drawing a check at home. Come on, if I offended you, repent. It's the truth. His word says work. Work. I don't care what you do, work. But if we're saying, you know what, we're in tribulation, we're, we're in judgment. Listen, we went through periods of time all throughout the Bible. Children of God fell. They went into captivity. They prayed and they repented. And the grace and the mercy of God delivered them and set them free. I still believe He is good and His mercy is everlasting. His grace is sufficient. His peace is beyond human understanding and reasoning. I still believe God is on the throne. And if we cry out to Him, He will hear the prayers of his people where do you read in scripture where God turned a deaf ear to a people that fell on their knees and said God I need you in America God I need you in government we need you God we need you. He said the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I know Hezekiah, God told him through a prophet, you're going to die, get your house in order. But when he turned his face, when he turned his face to the wall, God told Isaiah, you go right back to him and tell him 15 years. 15 years has been added to your life. Hallelujah. He told, he, God began to bargain with, bargain with Abraham. Because Abraham was trying to pray, Lord, don't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. He said, if I find 40, no, if I find 30, no, if I find 10, just 10 people, I'll spare the city. I believe there's more than 10 people in eastern Kentucky that says, God, I need you. Hallelujah. I know judgment's coming. I know, hey, listen, I know there's been all these abortions and same-sex marriage and all these different things that are diametrically opposed to the Word of God. I understand that, but I still believe that if they won't hear our words, they'll be moved by our prayers. 
The message of truth without prayer is the reason for barren altars. Oh, Jesus. We have got to turn and we've got to pray and we have got to seek the face of God. America, yeah, it it looks like it's in a mess. Listen, the only reason why we are surviving what's in office right now is because of the grace of God. Absolutely. But I still believe, church. I still believe in an end time revival. I still believe in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. I, <laughs> your sons and daughters shall... Pro- I still believe. I still believe Kentucky's an upper room state. Mm. Anybody in agreement with that this morning? Number two. Revival is when the sacrifice of Moses and the praise of David are mingled together. When you read in Ezra chapter 3, you had a lot of people that instituted the sacrifice of Moses. Ezra was preaching, we've got to sacrifice, we've got to institute this back. And you had Joshua the high priest. He, as a matter of fact, Zechariah 3 prophesies that Joshua was making priests in rugged garments. And it, Satan was beside him, resisting him. And then the Lord came and rebuked him. And see, what happened was this, you had a lot of sacrifices of Moses, but no foundation was laid. Because our older generation knew how to pray. Our older generation knows how to get a hold of God. They knew how to depend on God for the next meal they ate. They knew how, what it meant to go to a mountaintop, stay there for about a week. Don't disturb me. I'll be fine. No animals is going to eat me. I'm not going to die from hunger. It's all going to be okay. I'm going up there to pray and get along with God. When I come back down, everything, hey, everything's going to be all right. They knew how to sacrifice like Moses. But there was no foundation laid because, because a generation has lost the legacy of prayer. Because we don't teach people how to pray. We don't disciple people. It's amazing how addicts can come to the altar, get delivered and changed, but nobody's laying a foundation for the temple. Oh, hallelujah. It's one thing to win people to Jesus. It's another thing to win converts and make disciples of Jesus Christ. To walk with people, to help them, to check on them, to call on them, to pray with them, to encourage them. Hallelujah. But this is what happened. See, the older generation knew how to pray. This younger generation knows how to praise. They know how to worship. They know how to praise. You know what the older generation does? Well, we sacrifice like Moses, but I don't believe in all that dancing and shouting and running and jumping. We got to wait for God to shake us before we'll move from our seat. I'm so glad I don't have to wait for God to strike me with a lightning bolt before I can shake and praise Him. That ain't a praise. If God has to pump and prime you for a praise to come out of you, it's not really praise. It's not really worship. But this is what happens. There's got to be a foundation laid. And there's got to be a, a meeting ground. Because we need to shed old religious thoughts. If it ain't from the red back hymnal, it can't be from God. Listen, you need to change your way of thinking. I don't want to sing and praise your valley. I'd rather sing and praise my God. Oh, hallelujah. I'm sure it's people's turning off the internet and right now as we speak. We got to know how to worship. David danced mightily before the Lord. And his own wife said, why did you dance like that? Why are you acting like that? Because he said, your dad ain't king no more. There's a new king. There's a new praise. There's a new ordinance. There's a new 
worship. It's a new shout. It's a new. I don't care if nobody else praises God. He is still worthy of the greatest and highest praise. He deserves radical praise. But if all this younger generation is living is off of praise and worship, but they don't know how to pray, we have no foundation. <laughs> See, that's what I'm trying to say. There's got to be a mixture. There's got to be a middle ground. There's got to be a mingling. If we, can, if we can sacrifice like Moses and get to the mountaintop in his glory, but we can dance like David and shout all night long, something is going to shift. Revival's going to happen. God's going to say, they're praying to me. They're worshiping me. They've got my attention. They have the attention of my grace. They have the attention of my mercy. I'm coming to them. Come on, can we really praise God? Hallelujah. He is worthy. I said he is worthy of the highest praise. Jesus. Jesus. Hey, we got to mix the sacrifice of Moses. Hallelujah. With the praises of David. Number three, revivals when your life is built solely upon the foundational truths of God's word. And I've already talked about a foundation because there was a time when the temple wasn't built and all Ezra was doing was going and encouraging the people follow after God because before they could be a people of the building they had to be a people of the word hallelujah had to be a people of the word the word is the foundation we build on what Jesus said then in the parable man who built his house on the sand versus the man that built his house upon the rock the floods came, the winds blew, storms was coming. But the man who stood was who built his life upon the word of God. You can pray or you can worship, but you better know how to read your word. If not, you'll fall into a lot of false teaching and false doctrine. It amazes me how many times church people will, will say it. And I, I talked to this about the kids. I've talked to them about several times in the past week but I, on Wednesday nights. But it amazes me how we'll sit across each other on lunch table from some other believer. And we want to debate them some verse of scripture. Or you got prophets on Facebook trying to outdo other prophets on Facebook. Come on. Do we even know who the enemy is anymore? We, don't, we can't even recognize him. Because we're so be, we are so caught up in trying to belittle and condemn everybody else that we are losing sight of our own relationship with God. If you're not so comfortable in hearing the voice of God that you've got to try to find fault in somebody else, you need to repent. Come on. Come on. We're so focused on trying to find some fault in that church two miles down the road where that person on Facebook or that person on television, if you would lose sight of what other people were doing and focus solely on building your life upon the Word of God, you'll avoid false doctrine. You'll avoid being gullible. <laughs> Hallelujah. Why critique people? Why critic? Why? What, what, what good comes out of that? Pastor, can I ask, what good comes... You know what people are so focused on? They want to look like... They've told the truth. We've got more Jonas behind the pulpit than we do John the Baptists. What do you mean? Read Jonah. He, God got his attention, went and prophesied judgment on Nineveh, and as soon as they repented, he got mad about it. But John the Baptist, he said, oh, generation of vipers. He told them. What the, but the Bible says he preached a baptism of repentance. 
Because if we're so focused on the judgment of God, but we don't understand the grace and mercy of God, we miss the mark. His grace will meet repentance. John yielded fruit meets for repentance. Before there was a baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire through Jesus, there was a baptism of repentance that preceded that. We've got to repent. We've got to turn to God. Hallelujah. As a matter of fact, Ezra... I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But Ezra, when they realized their sins in their land, Ezra didn't commit the sin, but he still repented on behalf of the nation. You may have never had an abortion. You may have never done these different things. You may have never made these laws. But you can still repent on behalf of America. Amen. Hallelujah. Revival, number four, is when the history of rebellion is broken. The temple construction ceased for a period of time because some people didn't like what was going on. They didn't want Israel to build a temple. So they went to, and this was during the reign of King Xerxes and Artaxerxes, and they went to them and said, hey, listen, you don't want them to build this temple because they are rebellious people. But they went through their history of all the times they rebelled against other gods and other people and other kingdoms and their God. They said, they're just a rebellious people. We want to stop this temple. The reason why the temple was stopped being built was because of a history of rebellion. We have got to break history of rebellion. Now we're quiet. We've got to break the history of rebellion. Look at America, first great awakening. Rebellion, awakening. Rebellion, awakening. When we break the history of rebellion. He said the iniquity of your fathers is visited upon your children even to the third and fourth generation. That's why you have generational curses. Hello. That's why you look in certain homes and you see nothing but divorce, nothing but alcoholism, nothing but perversion, nothing but this, nothing but that. Because there's a history of rebellion that's got to be broken. And it can only be broken through the blood of Jesus. When we turn and when we say, God, I refuse. Because rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. you got to learn to submit to the authority of the Holy Spirit, to the authority of God. you got to learn that I, it's not about me, but it's about Him. I've got to die to myself and follow after Jesus. He said, if you want to follow after me, you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. We have got to break the backbone of rebellion. And the only way to do that is when we turn our face to the wall. And say, God, I'm, uh, I'm, forgive me. It's like this, young people. If you go and you're like, yeah, I'm on fire for two weeks. But then for the next two or three weeks, you're back into pornography. And, you're, and then you're on fire for one or two weeks because you prayed and apologized to God. Felt real good about it. And then a week or two, you're back into the mess. We've got to break this pattern. The pattern's not broke by feeling. But it's about an encounter of the life-changing grace and glory and power of God. Hallelujah. Instead of having a history of rebellion, we'll have a future of nothing but revival. I don't want hell on earth. I know what Revelation says, but we're still here, church. We can have heaven on earth. Amen. Number five, revival is when the city is built around the church, indicating a tremendous influx of biblical evangelism. Everything that you do in the church should be a reflection of your personal relationship with God. If there's no evangelism in the church, you're surely not carrying revival. Quiet. 
We're so focused. Let's build our building. Let's get the money together. But if there's no ministries going out, or, we're, or we got five or ten people doing ministry here and there, we're missing it, church. I said we're missing it. There are ministries sitting in this room, all over this room, that have not been started yet, and you need to seek God. Hallelujah. Paul Reese said this, Revival is an experience in the church, but evangelism is an expression. You express that you're in revival by the way you carry yourself and by the way you witness to other people. There's so many different ministries. We think if we're not preaching behind the pulpit or we're singing or playing music, there's nothing to do for us, for us in God. Listen, that is the biggest lie from the pits of hell that there ever is. You've got a work to do. We are all part of the same body of Christ. Hallelujah. We've got Bible release program, prison ministry, Curtis and Stephanie are uh, starting the nursing home ministry. We got life groups. We got this. We got that. And all that's great. And that's a good foundation for us. But we need to be way, 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 way beyond above that. Every part of this community should feel the influence of this ministry. If we're in revival. Hallelujah. That's why you say, God, search me. If there's plans and giftings that's not coming up yet, God, show it to me. Let it burst out of me, God, that I will effectively evangelize the gospel of Jesus. Some of you need to give clothes, give shoes, do something for God. Whatever it is, do it with all of your heart. We treat, we treat ministry in such a way that it's almost like a prostitute for the church. It's distracted us. We're intoxicated. we got to do this, this, this to God, but we don't have no relationship with God. That out of that love for God, it's a love for people that we want to meet those needs. The answer for people's needs is not in the government. It's in the church. Hallelujah. Number six, revival is when each individual finds their specific role in the kingdom of God. Kind of on the back, back side of what I just said. You find your role. I mentioned it earlier. Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, prophets. Zerubbabel and his people working and constructing the temple. Nehemiah fortifying the city with walls around it. Built it in 52 days, led a group of people to do it. He was a cupbearer for the king. And he, got a, and he heard about the ruins of his city. And he said, I've got to go build that city again. Because it's not a city without walls around it. It's not a city without intercessors protecting it. Hallelujah. So everybody had a role to fulfill. You've got a role for the kingdom of God and we've got to do something. If you've got a heart for outdoor ministry, let's come together, come see me. Let's get it started. Let's get it going. If you've got a heart to, put, to buy shoes and clothes for the kids at school, we've got teachers and principals here. Come see me. We'll make something work. But let's do something for God. I don't want to go before God in heaven and go empty-handed. Well, I never gave to anybody. I never loved on anybody. I never encouraged anybody. I never did anything. No, I don't want to be like that, Curtis. I want to go and say, God, here are the souls that have come with me. When I go into, when I go into heaven, Pastor, I'm, there's going to be a lot of kids that I've never seen and never laid my eyes on in Kenya and Africa, but they're going to be there because there was a school building, because there was a... Come on, somebody. I may not ever lay eyes on them, but I know I'm making an impact. Do something for God. Anything. If you're a missionary, come see me. We're connected to people all over the place. We'll put you in a nation. Let's do something for God. If we're not doing anything, we're complacent and we're next to a lukewarm condition. We've got to do something for God. Number seven. Revival is when you face adversity 
But nothing hinders or overcomes the work and will of God. It blows my mind. Man, I tell you what, I got saved this past week, and I just knew the first thing those believers told me was, honey, the devil's going to be on your back. <laughs> Actually, I won't come in the shop just like that this week. You, you find out who real people are when you're out in the shop, right? Oh, I got saved. First thing, as soon as I come off that altar, they told me was the devil is going to be coming at me because he don't like it one bit. Is our God dead? Last time I checked, the birth said he is defeated. This is what happened. Yeah, Ezra and them, yeah, the temple was halted because people were coming against it. But they began to pray, and they still were teaching the word, and they were still sacrificing. The foundation was like they were still doing the work for God. And what happened was there was a king, another king that would come and would grant them, hey, start it back up, let's finish the job. Nehemiah, when he was building the wall, there were some people rose up and said, listen, you ain't going to build that. You're just a weak people. You're just a remnant. You're not going to build a city. You're not going to fortify this city. He said, you have no right, no portion, and no memorial in Jerusalem. What if we looked at the devil and said, you have no right, you have no portion, and you sure have no memorial in Pineville, Kentucky. You don't belong here. We're not executing and utilizing the authority that God gave us when Jesus died on the cross in the place of prayer and intercession. Hallelujah. Is that okay? There was attacks to the enemy. They would go on. They were building the temple. Again, they built the walls in 52 days around an entire city. And, the, and, and those different men, Tobiah and Sanballat and these different men, they would come and say, if foxes ran up and down that wall, it would just fall down. I mean, they were just talking, running their mouths, talking trash, kind of like the way some of these boys do a basketball and get school. they talking all this trash. And nothing happening, Right? But what's so awesome is that God defended his people and they kept building and they kept building. I don't care. I'm still. Listen, there's a fire. It's awesome. He said, yeah, this city was burning rubbish and it's falling on stones. But there's a wall being built and there's a temple being built on these old ancient foundations. I believe there's an ancient foundation we've got to be building upon. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And no devil in hell can stop the will and the work of God. I said, God's will for America is to be wiped completely off the face of the earth and all this other stuff. This is God's will. His word says His will is not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And if the church is not executing the will of God, then we're in rebellion against Him. The fate of America is not resting on the United States government. It's resting upon the body of Christ. If this nation goes under, it will be at the hands of the church. The blood will be on our hands. I said the head of Oshia Alamahaya. The blood will be on our hands if this nation falls. But if we will come together and we will seek the face of God and we will repent, revival is here. There's awakening. There's a sound they were carrying throughout the earth of revival. Hallelujah. It's all right. We're almost finished. Praise God. Number eight. Revival is when those who are seeking the face of God come to terms with the reality of their own sins. Revival is when those who are seeking the face of God come to terms with the reality of their own sins. Ezra chapter 9, I want to read a couple of verses of scripture. Revival is when those who are seeking the face of God come to terms with the reality 
of their own sins. Because just as Isaiah stared at the presence of God, he was convicted because he was looking upon the holiness of God. When you get in the presence of God, you really realize, dude, I've, I've messed up. I've sinned and I've come. Search me, oh God. When you really, 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 really get in the presence of God, you're not going to be lifted up in pride and think you're awesome. You want to be humble. You want to get on the, face, on, your, on the floor. You want to weep between the porch and the altar. There will be a sound of weeping. I want to read verses 1 and then verse 6. Verses 1 and verse 6. It says, Now when these things were done, the princes came to the people, the people of Israel, and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the lands according to the abomination of the Canaanites, the Tots, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites, and all those Ites. Verse 6. And said, Oh my God, I'm ashamed and blush to lift up my face to you, my God. For our iniquities are increased over our head, and trespasses grown up unto the heavens. This was Ezra's prayer. This was the priest's prayer. This was the scribe, the teacher of the law, who had set his heart to teach the truth of the word. This man said, our sins have piled up all the way to the heavens. You say, well, I've never committed adultery. I never did this. I never did that. Listen, sin is more than what you do. It's the content of your heart. I was ministering in Harlan, Kentucky, Friday night, and I was talking about if a man looks upon a woman and lusts after her, he's committed adultery with her already in his heart because sin begins with the heart. A lot of times all we're doing is we're picking the tree and cutting off the fruit of our sin, but we're not dealing with the root of our sin. You take all the fruit off that apple tree, guess what? It's going to, in the next season, it's going to yield forth more apples. Until you uproot the tree. Revival brings an awareness of your sin and the sins of a region and the sins of a nation. When you really get in the presence of God, the poverty level of this region is the church's fault because we have a poverty mindset. That just came to me. Hallelujah. That's, that's the Lord. It's the Holy Ghost. The reason why the spirit of poverty is so rampant throughout this region is because we have a poverty mindset. Woe is me. I just got to make it through this valley. The devil's been on my back. Everything going wrong in my life. Like God is dead and nothing good happens. He said all good things come from above. Yeah. Hallelujah. I still believe he is a good, good father. That he gives the best to his people. But it's all about your mindset and your lack of faith. It's easy to prophesy judgment when you see the sins of the people. It's hard to declare in the atmosphere, God, I believe in your word that by your stripes we are healed and this nation's going to be healed. It's a lot easier to say, man, look at all the things going wrong in this nation. Look at our government. Look at Obamacare. Look at this. Look at that. But I still believe. A realist isn't a prophet. It takes faith. I said faith. Job said, I'll decree a thing and it shall be established. And what happened, church? He received double for his trouble. By just decreeing and declaring. We got a pastor. I've never seen anybody declare so much faith than our pastor. But I'm behind every word. I said, I'm behind every word. Go ahead. And you speak that negative. You know what you're doing? You're framing the world that your children's going to grow up in. Wow. Hallelujah! 
We're framing the world. And the Bible says in Hebrews 11 and 3 that the worlds are framed by the word of God. When you speak nothing but negative and death and lifelessness, you're forming the world for your children. But when I declare faith in the kingdom of God, head on I feel this. I'm declaring over the young people, they're going to build businesses. They're going to be judges and lawyers and, and doctors and teachers. That's what we do. If their parents ain't going to declare it, I'm sure some of you all are. I'm going to declare it as a youth pastor because I know I speak life to this thing. Something's going to change. If your child is in all kinds of trouble and all kinds of mess, before they walk out of the door to go to school, you say, hey, man, I, before you leave, I'm going to pray over your son. I speak blessings over you. You're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You'll prosper even as your soul prospers. Hallelujah. Nobody even prays for their kids anymore. They don't, they don't even see themselves praying. All they see about is complaining to the teachers about how perfect their kids are. There's nobody else like that Greg will like that, I'm sure. We complain and we murmur. And we grab, oh, my kid is perfect. No, you need to go pray over your kid. You need to go speak over your kid. You need to go declare over your child. Ah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Number nine. Revival is when you are no longer in bondage, but you function in total deliverance. This is what Ezra, this is, this is so good. I'm almost done. Just bear with me. I, I feel this. This is a word. You getting anything out of this? Hallelujah. Let's go to verse 8 of Ezra 9. It says, Ezra 9 and 8, I, w- I want you to get this. Revival is when you're no longer in bondage, but you function in total deliverance. Verse 8 of Ezra 9, it sa- uh, chapter 9, it says, And now for a little space, grace has been shown from the Lord our God to leave us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in the holy place that our God may lie in our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. There's America right there. There's, that's where we're at. We don't want deliverance. We just want a little feel-good moment while we're still bound. We want enough grace to carry us through our problems and our troubles and hope that His grace would help us to avoid the consequences of our bad decisions. God, just give us a little reviving in our bondage. God does not want you to carry and have moments of refreshing in his parents and not be totally changed. God wants you to be in deliverance. I said God wants you to be delivered. His grace can bless you in those hard times. But his real authentic tangible presence will deliver you. How many of you when you got saved and you got changed, you was an alcoholic but God delivered you and he took the taste right out of your mouth and you've never touched a drop since? I want you to raise your hand right now. I want you to raise your hand. There's about, three, there's about two of y'all right now. Okay, two or three. Some of y'all, it may be drugs. It may be something else. But you know when God got a hold of you, you knew he got a hold of you. We don't need an apology. We need repentance. We don't need reviving in our bondage. We need deliverance. He said in Galatians, he said, be ye not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Don't go back to it. Don't be tied down to it. Don't be tied up in it. He said, I want you to be delivered. How do you get delivered? You get in the presence of God. You, you accept the spirit of adoption. You realize that you're a son or daughter of God. You're not captive by, captivated by this world, but your eyes are set on Jesus. And you go after him and you pray and you read and you seek his face. And then you change your environment. 
change your environment. You're not going to continue in deliverance if you still hang around addiction for the rest of your life. You're not going to. Because on a bad day, when all that's staring at you in the face, you're going to run right back to it. God don't want you to have relief. He wants you to have deliverance. Change your environment and surround yourself with people who are stronger in Christ than you are. Surround yourself with people of the Word. If you surround yourself with about four or five prayer boys, you're going to learn how to pray. If you surround yourself with people that know the Word and you start asking questions, they're going to give you answers that you've been looking for for a long time. Surround yourself with people. Finally, this is the last part. Revival is when the atmosphere of your home changes. That's what happened at the end of Ezra. They realized, man, we went after their gods. And we went after their idols. And we got connected with people who did not love God. And they married into relationships that led them into idolatry. And the Bible says, I I want you to get this. Ezra 10, I, I want you to get this. Ezra 10, I want you to read the people that had to repent. I want you to read the people that had to repent. Ezra chapter 10 verse 18 it says and among the sons of the priests there were found them that had taken strange wives you go down to verse number 23 and also of the Levites go down to verse 24 and also of the singers verse 25 moreover of all Israel from the leadership all the way down they recognized what was hindering the move of God we needed a change in our homes because we married into something we shouldn't have married to. Now, of course, I believe what God puts together, let no man put us under. But I also believe we need healing. Oh, I feel this healing in our homes and marriages. If you are in this room right now and you don't have a spouse that is, that is saved and going to church with you, I want you to raise your hand to heaven right now. You have a spouse that needs to be saved. Several people. Listen, God's able to heal that. God is able to arrest them by the presence of God. You're fighting tooth and nail to try to heal your marriage. God is the answer. If they won't listen to you, go to war for them in prayer. Because the Holy Spirit can do a lot more than what you can say. Oh, Jesus. We need healing in our homes. How many's got children that's not saved? I want you to raise your hand to heaven right now. You got children that's not saved. Listen, God's hand is not too short that He can't save. Neither is ear too heavy that it cannot hear. How many of you are connected to a family member that is addicted to drugs? I want you to raise your hand right now. Oh, Jesus. Raise your hands high. I want to see it. I want everybody to look around. We need revival. We need revival. We've got family that's addicted, but I know a God. Revival brings you an awareness of your sin, but it changes the atmosphere of your entire home and family. Addiction is running rampant because the church didn't have the answers to fill the void in their heart. They're going to drugs and alcohol and all these different things because there's a brokenness inside and nothing in this world can fill it like the love of God can. I want the worship team to come to the platform and give you a chance to pray, but I talked about the foundations of revival. 
But now is the time we really pray and seek God for the next few moments. We've worshipped. No doubt there's been several of you guys been touched by the power of God. But if we want not just a residue, not just a little fragment, but if we want the permanent dwelling of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our homes, we've got to turn our face to God and we've got to repent. We need to take inventory of self and say, God, we need revival. Let me see that book, Pastor. Pastor Odie, let me borrow this book. How many has ever read this book or has this book, Releasing the Prophetic Destiny of a Nation? How many has got that? Okay, I was reading about Kentucky. And maybe this is a different way to close this message. And we're going to repent and we're going to pray God heal our homes and cleanse our homes. Ask God to search us and bring inventory of any sin that we have. But I want to release, I feel this, Pastor. And I'll even let you read it if you want to, if you want to prophetically release it. But I, I feel like just speaking what was spoke and declaring what was spoke over the state of Kentucky. This was back, how many ever heard of Dutch Sheets? Mighty man of God, him and Chuck Pierce wrote this book. Um, Pastor, would you come and help me and hold this book so I can look through the pages here? Go to the next page there. I just want to read this and declare this over. Thank you. That'll be good. Yeah, that'd be good. I want to declare this over Kentucky. This is Releasing the Prophetic Destiny of a Nation. This is pages 230 through 232. I was reading this last night, and the Holy Spirit just came in that bedroom and wrecked me. I said, God, we're, we're almost there. I could feel it. Even I, even I turn on the news, or didn't really turn on the news. I was on the Internet and flipping through, and I began to read things going on in Kentucky, and I said, we're, we're, we're almost there. We're so close. I believe it's already done in the Spirit, but we're really about to see it manifest in the natural. Kentucky is needed for the war over this nation. There will be a warring spirit that will rise from this state that will literally speak to the entire nation. Kentucky is on the verge of its biggest change. God is loosing the horses, the runners, and the riders in Kentucky. They will ride and run through this nation once again. There's a breaking out that's going to occur in Kentucky. It is the first fruit state of revival. Abraham Lincoln was born in Kentucky. You have a first fruit anointing for emancipation proclamation. You were divided then over the issue, but there's going to be an opportunity to redeem the division of past times. Kentucky will set the course for the nation in this. It's talking about healing the racial divide. Lexington is the stable for war horses. From here, the horses will be released across the nation. Get ready, I'm calling you to war like you not imagine God is restoring the prophetic breath in Kentucky and the Kentucky will restore the breath of the entire nation I want you to understand there's a sound coming out of eastern Kentucky yeah. out of Pineville and Bell County Kentucky there's a sound coming that's going to shake the nation I believe it I agree with this word as a sign of the restoration of the prophetic breath God will begin to cleanse physical diseases in the lungs there will be supernatural healings of lung cancer in this state. God is going to bring a new order to this state which will cause both the land and the church to flourish. The Lord is loosing a mongoose anointing on you and you will eat the serpent that has held back revival. He's declaring, do not say next year or the following, but now. 
for I'm going to swallow the serpent from the state. A spirit of deliverance shall break out in the state that shall cause freedom to manifest in the entire nation. It is a mantle of deliverance. The Lord says, I'm returning a rotten mantle of war to the White House from this state, and there will be vindication. God is about to do a new thing to unlock the future of Kentucky. This will be a region known for the dismantling of ancient thrones that have been erected. A supernatural confession will arise from the government in Kentucky. I turned on the internet today, and there is a bill that they're trying to pass right now. It was trying to pass right now in Kentucky State Legislature to protect businesses from being attacked for refusing people due to their faith. That's government. The outcry and resistance from Kentucky will be seen throughout the nation. It will cause a remnant from every state to rise up in agreement with Kentucky. The governmental anointing in this state will be carried to Washington, D.C. Kentucky, made up of 120 counties, is an upper room state. God said, I'm changing the horizon line over this nation. I'm starting here in Kentucky. Worship will be the key in Kentucky to exposing hidden things and causing the enemy to lose his hope. This worship team better understand how important their job is. Let me read that again. So worship of David now. Worship will be the king in Kentucky to expose and hidden things and causing the enemy to lose his hold. There will be a great and drastic change in Kentucky's atmosphere as a result. As we move into that new dimension, thousands will come and join us in worship. The seer anointing will be loosed in Kentucky along with great revelation. This is a testimony. This goes along with you, Pastor. The Lord awakened Dutch at 3.33 a.m. Pastor talked about last week. He was woke at what times? 1.11, 2.22, and 1. And gave him Ezekiel 33.3, the watchman's charge for the state of Kentucky. The Lord said there will be a new level of a spirit of wisdom and revelation released to bring to to bring us into a higher level of the prophetic. We will be known as the hearing state. Discerning of spirits will be released to God's people for a strong, strong deliverance anointing coming to the state of Kentucky. Both the mantle of war and the mantle of worship shall rest on Kentucky unlike anything seen before. It will be a pleasant war because it is born of worship. It will create a new great awakening. The spirit of revelation is coming through many supernatural ways and divine strategies to be released to gain great victories. Universities, schools, and organizations are about to be invaded by God's people. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. The universities, schools, and organizations are about to be invaded by God's people. They will do whatever he says. Signs and wonders will be released even in daycares and elementary schools. An unusual mix of wisdom and revelation is going to be released. Do not move out until you have both. Often one will have the wisdom and another revelation, so we must work together. Jeremiah 33 and 3 was also given to Dutch sheets. 
Kentucky is to experience things it has never seen or heard before. God is laying siege to this state to take back what the enemy's stolen. He's coming with fire because the fire of revival will burn once again. Kentucky must learn to hear the sound of God so we can find and go through the gate of revelation. Dutch warned, if you don't hear the sound, you won't get the rain. And you won't shift the nation either. That word's now. I said that word is now. Oh, Jesus. I want everyone to stand on the cross this building. We're about to open these altars. That word was released back in 2005. But I believe now's the time. I said I believe now's the time. Now's the time. I don't know about Pastor Odie, but I hear, I hear a sound this morning. I believe Pastor hears a sound. I believe this worship team, I believe there's different ones that hears a sound, but there's a sound that's here now of revival. Do you understand? We have got kids being released from the public grade schools into the church for teaching once a month. Do you understand? If you're a student at LMU or a graduate from LMU, I want you to raise your hand to heaven. I release right now through your prayers and your anointing, I release to you revival to hit LMU campus right now. We release right now the sound of awakening in LMU campus. Let's pray. Give us a door to the campus. Give us the arena. Give us the the school, Lord. Give us every class. I declare this morning, God, that LMU is the mountain pot of revival in eastern Tennessee. People from all over the nation are coming because a foundation is being laid. I pray that as these students that's here this morning, when they walk on that campus, they will declare and there's going to be a shift in the spirit of that campus. There'll be no longer drugs and alcohol, but let it be about your presence, Jesus. Let people be gathered together in their dormitories, oh God, for prayer meetings and revival and Bible studies. We release the Holy Spirit right now an awakening into the dormitories and the classrooms of LMU. We release the conviction of the Holy Spirit on every board member that does not know you. Wow. Let your saving grace change and deliver. That you'll give them a joy and a love and a peace that money cannot buy. I declare a mountain pot of revival in Jesus' name. I just want to know this morning, is there anybody desperate enough, hungry enough to come and seek the face of God this morning? Revival brings an awareness of your sins and revival. The Holy Spirit 
makes you take inventory of your home and see what, what needs to be changed in your home. What kind of shift needs to take place? That's what we're going to do. We're just going to open the altars for some God seekers this morning. If you need to repent for your home to be changed, come. If you want to answer the call of awakening in Kentucky, come. If you want you to know your role in the kingdom, come. If you can think of anything at all to repent of, come. If you need healing in your marriage, come. If you need revival on your school campus, come. For more information about Our Father's House or upcoming events, please log on to www.offathershouseky.org.